San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. All these podcasts are commercial-free at iymoney.com. We're free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. We stream live on 760kfmb.com. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinary. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author, a lecturer, a family office expert, advising several high-net-worth families all around good guy richard musio good evening how are you i'm okay joe but i'm very disheveled i'm having new hardwood floors put in in my house so i don't know where anything is (laughs) but i was able to find enough clothes to make it down here well keep a nightlight on so you don't trip over anything exactly uh, whatnot construction is a pain and demi's back up at school san jose State. state has started okay the spartans worst division one basketball program in history wow well, of course, it's football season. Yeah. So. Any tribute to the Smothers Brothers up there that you could find since we had Dickie on the show? No. Well, and they're both y- yeah. If you go in the library, there, obviously there's some material displayed. They um, should have but, us. But of course, stay. the big the big exhibit at San Jose State is in remembrance of the amazing track and field programs they have, and of course the 1968 Olympics when Tommy Smith and John Carlos did the um, protest. Oh, in Mexico City. But, but th- those were all um, those they, were all San Jose State. They were um, from there? Track team members, correct? Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool oh, stuff. Wow, they've got a huge bronze exhibit right in the middle of the campus. It's wow. really. Well, really cool. We'll talk to the president next time you're up there and see if you can do about the Smothers Brothers because I think they need a, a little. Well, they are to... on the Smothers Brothers were given honorary degrees even though they never graduated. I know, so but they for, are on the list. But I mean, on the campus there should be a, a, some kind of memorial. I'm there just, should be. Just saying. Or just name saying. the comedy club up there after it, them. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, thanks again to uh, Dr. Steve Snyder for the great show. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, Ruben H. Fleet. Uh, well, I'm still Center. trying to make myself invisible. but <laughs> I'm going to get down there this week, and it's the last weekend for Jason Latimer's uh, Impossible Science uh, show. He's, I think he has six left, and then I think he goes on hiatus. He's going to, I guess, do work on some other exhibits and whatnot. But uh, what a great run they've had and what a great job of doing. RHfleet.org if you're interested, folks. And are you following the U.S. Open at all, uh, Richard? I have been. Really? Yes. Hmm. The Serena yeah. Grand Slam effort. Looking good. How old is she now? 33? She's 33, soon to be 34. Her sister Venus is 35. Unbelievable. We'll have to get either them or their father or somebody on the show at some point in time. Well, we got we got a show next week about tennis. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Speaking of sports, <laughs> we're going to ask our guest tonight. This is going to be a great show. I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. I'm wondering if he ever appeared at the U.S. Open. I know he's appeared at uh, dozens. This guest, folks, has dozens, appeared. Dozens, yeah. more than dozens. I'm, well, He's appeared at uh, probably over 20,000 total appearances in the, since 1974 when he first started this gig as the KGB chicken, but he went on to become famous as the famous San Diego chicken or maybe just the famous chicken. Ted Genos, welcome to our show. Well, fellas, thank you for having me on. <laughs> a real pleasure. 
<laughs> I appreciate this. This is I've been looking forward to this. I mean, we've enjoyed you over the years. Uh, so many stories. We're going to try and get as many as we possibly but, but Joe, can. But what year did you get to San Diego? I got here in '77, and okay. I know I know uh, Ted started up at, at, in '74. But I got here in '69, so yeah. I was here for the beginning. You're here from the inception, but but just for the benefit well, you of live just down the street from KGB. But we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but uh, j- just for the benefit of our listeners, and and um, w- when and where were you hatched, Ted? Because we don't know. You know, give us a little bit of your personal early history before even getting to uh, to get to put the costume on. Um. Well, I was born and raised in London, Ontario, Canada. How about that? And and my dad visited San Diego back in the mid '60s to visit my godparents. Fell in love with the town. He came back to. Canada, and he said, I have found Athens in America, <laughs> you know, and being of Greek descent, he uh-huh. just loved everything about the town. And what year was that? 1965. Wow. Was... Just to make sure it wasn't a fluke, he came back again in 66. Really? And came back with the same reviews. Yeah. And, and then we applied uh, for uh, immigration with, uh-huh. uh, with the naturalization board, finally got our green cards. Uh-huh. And uh, came down in 69. Moved directly that's, to San Diego? Right to San Diego. 69, same year I did. Yep. We yep. were June. What month? Do you remember? Uh, I came in in August. Okay. So we came in in August. Before. So what did your family do when they first got here? Well, my dad was a carpenter, and, mm-hmm. and he loved the weather, which, which meant he could work year-round. Mm-hmm. And he was also a restaurateur mm. uh, back in Canada. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, was a homemaker and, and a great seamstress as well. So mm-hmm. on the side, she would... Uh, do a lot of uh, uh, clothes, uh-huh. uh, make a lot of clothes, knitted okay. a lot of my clothes as a kid, <laughs> that's for sure. And um, and I went to school at Hoover High School. Right. It, it started in 69. You, was, and Ted, you and Ted uh, Ted Williams. Ted Williams also, right? don't forget Ray Boone. And Ray Boone, okay. That's, that's right, that's right. <laughs> a lot of talent, uh, you know, has come out of uh, San Diego. So graduated uh, Hoover, Hoover High. Went, went into San Diego State. Right. Yes. Uh, went there and I was graduated there with a degree in journalism in 1976. So when was the fateful semester when the KGB folks came over to uh, teach at the, I guess, uh, sit in as a lecture or whatever and broke out the costume? Well, it was in my sophomore year, uh-huh. March of 1974, the day before Easter break, fellas. Okay. The campus is deserted. <laughs> yeah, so nobody was there, right? Yeah, nobody was there. <laughs> they call it spring break nowadays. <laughs> But uh, I was going home and uh-huh. just decided on a shrug, oh, what the heck, I'll just go back to the campus radio station at KCR, uh-huh. which I used to hang out, a student-run campus radio station. Yeah. It didn't, its signal didn't even get beyond the dorms, okay? <laughs> but just to see what everyone's up to. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and there were four or five of us uh, just lounging around discussing what we're going to do over the, uh, over the Easter break. Uh-huh. So I, I settled back in, in, in the back of the small lobby, and we're all just uh, shooting the breeze. Mm-hmm. In walks a gentleman within a minute uh, there from KGB. His uh-huh. name is Bill Degasher. In uh-huh. fact, he just retired from KGB uh, a year ago or so. Uh-huh. And uh, he announces that he's looking for somebody for a promotional gimmick. Well, we're all excited. We're yeah. five eager uh, college students. Right. Anything. What do you want us to do? We'll shine records, yeah. empty trash cans, <laughs> do surveys, answer phones? We'll do it. He cautions everybody, wait a minute. We want somebody to go to the zoo and give away candy Easter eggs in a chicken suit. Uh-huh. 
two bucks an hour. That's all we're paying. <laughs> and there's no guarantee you're going to get on the air. So don't keep your hopes up yeah, on yes. this. Well, we're still all volunteer. Uh -huh. And he's taken aback. He says he's got five volunteers because no one at the radio station wanted to do this gig. Uh -huh. Okay, this was like god-awful work. <laughs> so he's standing there, still at the doorway, fellas. He looks around the room. His face brightens. He sees me in the corner, and he says, you... The short guy, you'll fit the costume best of all. You start tomorrow morning, I'll see you at the zoo. You're going to give away Easter eggs there. And I, I was as happy as a clam. Really? Yep. So he just picked you and, uh, and off you went. No audition, no interview. I didn't even have to fill out a job application, wow. fellas. He, uh, uh, he just came over, shook my hand, exited the building, met me there the next day um, at the zoo and had the outfit for me. And uh, and there I was to give the, away the, little the KGV chicken. That's right at at the gate, giving away candy Easter eggs Isn't to everyone. Do you have any pictures of that anywhere? Or no, no. Wow. no. That, Again, that it was a one-week promotional yeah. gimmick. Nobody thought anything of it. Yeah. It was a paper mache outfit, pretty <laughs> ugly, very bulky. But you know, I was excited because I had my foot in the door in media, real media, showbiz, showbiz. This signal went beyond the dorms. Okay. But I was a part of the of the big wheel in media. Wow. So then they must you must have had fun with the kids, good reviews, and uh, what happened after that? They they invited you back to do a few more things, or yeah, it was, was I, your I really idea? Put there a idea? lot of effort into it, and uh -huh. the reason was it wasn't because of the chicken outfit, fellas. Mm -hmm. Is because I just felt that this was an opportunity. Yeah. I didn't care about two bucks an hour. Heck, I would have paid them two bucks an hour yeah. if I had it, uh -huh. you know, but uh, I saw an opportunity and I was going to work my tail off, <laughs> no pun intended, because I was hoping that I was auditioning a work ethic for them. Yeah. That after my one week, they would say to themselves, well, this kid's working so hard in this thing. Let's yeah. give him a real job if he's going to put out that kind of energy. Wow. But, but you, you fairly quickly then started showing up at Padre Games, if my That's memory right. serves. So you I, were the, you I, were I, the chicken that... was a season ticket holder. I decided, I decided on my own to go... And you were the only thing to see, by the way. Yes. Well, wait, don't jump ahead, okay. though, because I want to I get, go right go through this chronologically. Yeah. So uh, so after the... Well, Joe, March of 74 to April of 74, that's chronological. No, no, but I know, okay. but I'm just saying, when, what ha you know, when was the Padres quantum leaf? Padres are starting opening day. Okay. Just about the time I had just wrapped up my gig at the zoo. Uh -huh. And I figured, I'll bet I could get in there for free with this getup. <laughs> so I called up the Padres, <laughs> and this is the first year, in fact, the first official month Ray Kroc had taken right. over Kroc the team. Just oh taken over my the team. god. That's right. Something really funny happened on opening day. And, and Oh, and we're going to come back yeah. with Ted Giannoulis. Stay tuned. We'll get this story out when we come back. We'll be right back with Get Your Money in Your Life right after this. Hang on. with Ted Giannoulis, the famous San Diego chicken, telling some great chicken stories. Uh, this is a real treat. So where do we leave off? Opening well, day, so Padre. Here's the story, guys. So 74, my family was season ticket holder starting in 1970, which is the Padre's second season. We lived in Lakeside, so to get to the stadium, we would take Mission Gorge Road right past KGB, the, the old studio. And, of course, 74 was a big deal because at the end of 73, the Padres were supposed to be moved to Washington to become the Washington Padres. But at the last second, Ray Kroc comes swooping in, comes and swooping pays. in with his McDonald's. And you know millions. what he paid? You know what he paid for the team? It was probably like fifteen million. No, three hundred fifty thousand. Three hundred fifty thousand, yeah. whatever. Well, he took on a lot of debts, though. <laughs> At least he put that. That's the yeah, cash he put took down. on a lot of debt. Mm. And and so we had this baseball team that proved to be horrible. 
but the attendance did increase because of the fact that Croc came in. They, that was actually the first year the Padres drew over a million. But I think it wasn't to watch them play baseball because, as my dad said, I've seen a lot of baseball played, but I've never seen it played that way before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember seeing them in Wrigley Field, Richard. Yeah, and they lost 19 to nothing in 69. Right. That's right. I was at that game. So, Ted, were you there starting opening day? Yes. Okay. Well, let me share. See, he told how he, he yeah. uh, got his way into the game. What did yeah. they say? You called up there or I what? I called up. The gentleman's name was Jim Weigel, director of promotions. <laughs> I told him what the deal was. He says, okay, we'll let you in if you give us a plug on the radio, okay, okay that we're playing, okay? Yeah, let the people know we're playing. That's right. Exactly. And I said, I can, I can, I can do that, okay? Yeah. So uh, there I showed up at the Padre game, just cavorted around in the grandstand. It was highly unprecedented, uh -huh. okay? Yeah, we'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, it was unprecedented yeah. in all of sports. Yeah. I mean, what fan shows up to a game wearing a chicken suit right. yeah. and sits in the grandstands and then walks around and, and does all these shenanigans? They used to bring goats at Wrigley Field, but we know what happened with that. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the next day, next day the papers come out. And there were on the front page there, one of the writers uh, puts a nice little uh, one-sentence uh, blurb that uh, I, I, I was entertaining at the game. Yeah. And the station executives went nuts that they got this kind of recognition. <laughs> yeah. And so they asked me, can you go back again and do a little bit more for us? Sure enough, I was a baseball fan anyway. Yeah. And so I was seeing free baseball, albeit it had to be through a beak, mm -hmm. but now, free baseball. Now, were you getting on top baseball. of the dugout then? Or when did that? No, no, no just yet. working the grandstands. Okay, that, working that, the grandstand. Okay. And, and, and that's all I basically did. And it was so <laughs> unusual. And it just created a lot of... A, a, a lot of unusual stares, and and, it and was, of course, the more fun you had with it, you were pushing the envelope and goofing with people, right? And then exactly. you, you kind of the light came but on. You, you got to remember that was a horrible, horrible baseball team. They were sixty and one hundred and two. Oh, I know. They used to lose a hundred games you know, consistently. They got creamed in the opening series against the Dodgers, and yeah. then at home against the Astros. And of course, Croc took the microphone and said, "This yeah. is the stupidest bunch of baseball I've ever seen." And they passed the Croc rule, which means no right. nobody no can get on the microphone ball. anymore right. other than the PA announcer. So there were two things going on. Basically, well, three. You had a horrible baseball team. You had then known as the KGB Chicken, but then there was also McNamara's band walking around yes. playing the music. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but they you were know open what? It was, it was a, fun. A, a lot of things. It was a lot of fun. But one of the things I discovered about myself, though, walking around there, mm -hmm. uh, I discovered a side of my personality I did not know existed. Mm. And this was almost like a Jekyll and Hyde thing mm. where I, I felt very much at ease. Uh, uh, having a sense of humor displayed you get a little so bit openly. You can get a little bit nasty with people or whatever, or not na I, in, I in a funny do, way, I though. Was do, uh, basically, I took my fascination, lifelong fascination uh, of comedy, yeah. merged it with my love of sports, yeah. and suddenly I was producing this unique act because I was looking up in the grandstands, and people of all ages, every demographic, were laughing at mm -hmm. the same joke. Isn't well, that sometimes great? I was laughing at the Padres. <laughs> Yeah. But, but somebody well, did say well, I was competing for laughs with exactly, the Padres. Well, exactly. now, now you've been compared to the Charlie, the uh, uh, Jack Murphy called you the embryonic Charlie Chaplin. Uh, that you was know. high praise. And yes. uh, and then another guy compared you to Lawrence Olivier of sports. But did you, uh, growing up, were you a ham in school? Did you do plays? I mean, uh, I did. In fact, uh, yes, I did. I oh. did. I wrote uh, school plays, comedy plays, and uh, I would present them. Okay. I, I was a public speaker, uh -huh. and that sort of thing. So I could be extroverted, and I was always trying to be funny at home for yeah. my sisters and my family. Wow! And you and, fell into it, man. <laughs> but I didn't—I didn't think I could translate that to, to, to the public venue. But sure enough, wearing that second skin, yeah. it really came out. 
Now, but but I, I saw you all over. They didn't just send you to the baseball games. I mean, they worked your butt off, didn't they? Oh, I went to every conceivable event that there was in San Diego. Yeah. Parades, uh, concert weren't events. Weren't you on the picnics? cover? Weren't you hugging Elvis or Nixon or something in some picture? Or Ger- one of the presidents? Or what? Gerald Ford. In 1976, <laughs> I was invited by the White House to join a line of celebrities when Gerald Ford, about uh, about 10 days before the election, was making a final campaign stop in California. Now, there's a little bit of backstory here. Hear me here. Let's hear Up it. On the stage, I was going to stand with John Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Newton, Zsa Zsa Gabor, Rod McEwen, the poet, so Shirley Babishoff, the Olympic uh, gold medalist, yep. and there was a chicken. And and Gerald Ford is identifying everybody uh, in, at, at Grossmont's parking lot where we had a yep. good 25,000 people crammed there. Okay. And people uh, are cheering. And of course, when this is the sitting little, president of the, the United sitting president. And when he gets to me, he says, and of course, the chicken <laughs> i just love the chicken and of course the biggest ovation was for that yeah. so spontaneously on my own i dart from my position all the way across the stage yeah and i bear hug the president of the united states and yeah. i raise his arms in victory and keep in mind i'm still not a citizen yet. i'm still canadian you hear that donald trump <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Chicken's I'm, not a citizen. Yeah, but I do have my. <laughs> at least I do have my green card. Okay, so I'm, I'm raising uh, his I'm, hands in oh, victory. You're killing me. You're killing me. Okay, and so and the place is going nuts. So then afterwards, here's a little bit of a backstory. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're going to leave the stage, and they are going to bust me. Oh boy! <laughs> when I come off the stage, sure enough, I come off the stage. Secret Service is on you. There's a tap on my shoulder. <laughs> I turn around with my wrists raised, yeah, ready to be handcuffed. Yeah. And it's not the Secret Service. It's Ron Nesson, the press secretary <laughs> of, of President Ford. Yeah, I remember the guy. And he says to me, uh, Chicken, um, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine. <laughs> I want to the campaign for him. <laughs> and, and he introduces me to Jim Naughton, the senior political editor yeah. of the New York Times. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I guess he wants my opinion on yeah. world events. <laughs> And Jim Naughton says to me, Chicken, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my career in politics. Oh, my gosh. He says, you got to let me buy that chicken suit off of you. Oh and my. I'm thinking, what? What? And Ron Nesson says, Jim's quite the practical joker. Yeah. Is there anything you can do for him? And I said, well, I can't give you my costume. It's how I'll make my living. You were still the KGB chicken? Yes. Okay. But I said, I do have a backup head I can let you have. <laughs> He says, a backup head, it's a deal. <laughs> okay. Did you so sell I let it? him. I, 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 you sell it to him? Or? I, he offered me 100 bucks, and he says, I'll send it to you when I get back to New York. Oh, my okay? gosh. Okay? I'm going to put it on my expense account. Oh okay? <laughs> Write it off. <laughs> so I give him the head yeah. that night. <laughs> Two days later, at a press conference for President Ford, yeah. Who comes forward with a chicken head in a three-piece suit but Jim Naughton, <laughs> oh my gosh. the senior political editor of the New York Times, to ask him a question about agricultural policies, I guess. Oh That's my good. Gosh. And, and it got a tremendous reaction. And needless to say, here's what you don't know. Mm-hmm. President Ford 
went to Jim Naughton afterwards and says, you got to let me have that chicken head for my <laughs> museum and future library. Is it in the Gerald Ford Museum? And to this day, cool. it's displayed in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, my well, what, God. Wasn't Ford at the 78 All-Star Game here? Yes, he, he was. was. I remember. He was. He was. Yes, but he was. was. And but, I was there. That's but, right. You were but there, that too, photograph of, of you hugging the president yeah. was all over the paper. The, did that get international press? Oh, or? absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And uh, it was an extraordinary moment. Yeah. All spontaneous. I think that put you on the map. That really put you over, the, right? It, it that, sure did. Yeah. In 1976, yeah. that, well, that was really something. But, but did, I, just you, to be invited did, on the White House, by the White House, to yeah. be up on the stage. But d didn't you attract a lot of attention at an Elvis conference con uh, concert here, a too? Few mo a few months earlier, I remember that Elvis... Uh, was in concert in April of 76. Yeah, April of 76. I think we're going right. to have to hold the Elvis okay. story, though, right? Though We're going to come right back to get the Elvis story and a lot more from the famous chicken, Ted Giannoulis, right after this. Hang on. back with the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and now it's time for Richard to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to all of our sponsors, UBS, Michael Carrancha, Drew Freitas. Been doing a lot of stuff with them this week. Couldn't do it without UBS. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, a great CFO firm. And then more traditional CP CPAs, Don Epic and Paul Polito, Polito Epic CPAs up in San Marcos. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, by far and away the best business valuation firm in this country, helping business owners understand the risks that drive the values of their businesses, reduce that risk, increase that value. Also, Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, all this money you're making isn't just chicken seed, so if you want to protect it, <laughs> you can do that with Brenda Geiger, the Geiger Law Office, specializing in asset protection and estate planning. Lane Elliott with California Republic Bank, an upcoming guest here fairly shortly, a very neat niche market bank here in Orange County and San Diego County that works exclusively with family offices and wealthy families. Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance, by far and away the best employee benefits firm that we've ever come across. In fact, Neil Staley is also an upcoming guest here shortly. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPAs best clients and got a big event coming up La Costa on November 2, 3, and 4 with the LG experience. More on that later. Yes, we are bringing women's professional tennis back to San Diego Thanksgiving week along with my Oceanside Turkey Trot. That would be the Carlsbad Classic. Check out cldclassic.com. Great time to watch some tennis with the U.S. Open going on. And last but not least, Paul Hines with Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. And Paul, of course, heads up the endfinancialabuse.org project here in San Diego, speaking out against and preventing financial elder abuse. And a big thanks to Courtney Laver, uh, PopX Graphics, who does an amazing job at maintaining our website where our listeners can find out lots of cool stuff. Right, Joe? Well, yes, all they have to do is get over to iymoney.com, get their cursor on the Sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu there. They could find out all about their personal information, contact information, anything they need to know. And I know they've been working with you for several years with great success. More than right? several, in some cases, dating back to about <laughs> 1983. Since you were all hatched. The chicken and I graduated college the same year. Yeah, so isn't that something? that tells that you something. how young we both are. Well, let's get on to the to Elvis. Spring chickens. Yeah, let's get on to the Elvis story. because yes, so the, the Elvis thing was a big deal. Tell us about that, that, Ted. About 16 months before his passing, he was having a concert 
uh, event here at, in San Diego at the sports, at the sports arena. arena. Okay. And uh, as is my position as an ambassador of the KGB <laughs> radio station, I would go to all concert events. Yeah. And uh, and so I figured, boy, how am I going to do this? Um, by the way, they had enhanced your costume by this time, right? It wasn't just paper mache no, anymore, this right? Was a, this was a second generation suit. Yeah. I yeah. could do, it was much more, uh, I colorful. could be much more limber, yeah. limber. It was more colorful, yeah. lighter. Yeah. I could do of a lot of things, I could yeah. I, I could become a cartoon in real life. Yeah. inside of it. Good, good analogy. All right, so keep going with Elvis there. So, so um, I'm thinking. All right, uh, uh, many times a lot of these bands would actually bring me up on stage to join them for a number, <laughs> but I knew that wasn't going to necessarily happen with Elvis. But um, uh, it, it, for the Elvis concert, something unusual back in those days, they actually had reserved seating throughout the entire arena, whereas back then. A lot of the rock and roll concerts would just have open seating, mm -hmm. first come, first serve. Uh -huh. And down in the stage area, it was shoulder to shoulder, standing room only. Hmm. So, but on this night, um, you could move around because uh, there was uh, seats uh, on the floor. Well, Elvis breaks into a, a, a medley of fifties numbers. Oh my gosh! And when he starts singing, whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> oh, old Jerry Lee Lewis number. Uh -huh. There's a line in there and says, "We got chicken in the barn. Whose yeah. barn? What barn? My barn." <laughs> I'm thinking. This is my moment to make a move. So I dart from the concourse area of the sports arena down the aisles, across the floor, and beeline it right up to the stage. Uh -huh. And I start dancing in front of Elvis uh -huh. as he's singing this number oh right below God. Elvis. Elvis starts cracking up. In fact, he's beyond cracking up. He loses his breath. He's laughing so hard. He's wheezing. He completely loses the lyrics. Oh my God. The band backstage. <laughs> they're is, laughing. They're, here's they're what dying. happens. He's now doubled over so much. Elvis is now down on one knee. He's laughing so hard. The band behind him can't see from their angle that I'm dancing in front of the stage oh, beneath they, Elvis. Oh, they think he's passing out. They think he's exactly yeah. right. He's having a seizure <laughs> right before us. So there's Elvis down on one knee, okay, trying to huff and puff to catch his breath. His doctor runs on to the stage oh with his black God. bag, the oh, infamous okay. Dr. Nick, <laughs> yeah. with the white pompadour. Yeah. He had everything in that bag, Dr. I'm told. Nick. Yes. Yeah. And he's oh, running on to the, uh, to the stage, and he attempts to get Elvis to lie down. <laughs> now, the band is playing quietly because they don't know what to think, but the show yeah. must go on. Oh, my God. And they're looking what at were the fans doing? Were they laughing or stunned or what? They, they, were, just, uh, take, they were just wondering what's what the going hell? on, yeah. you know? But the, the band is still playing on. And Elvis is shaking off his doctor, and he finally points to me, yeah. and Elvis has tears in his eyes. He's laughing so hard. I'm okay, I'm okay. And the doctor mouths an epitaph, okay? Yeah. And closes up his bag, puts uh -huh. his stethoscope away, and hustles off the oh stage. Oh, my God. Elvis uh, collects himself, turns back to the band, can, uh, signals them to keep going, uh -huh. okay? And he finally finishes the number. Oh, my God. As he finishes the number, he apologizes to the audience, yeah. and he says... Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you can all see back there, but you got to believe me. There's a chicken dancing in front of the stage here. And the audience applauds as if to say, yes, yeah. Elvis, He should have called you up. Did he call you? And then Elvis comes up with a great line spontaneously. He says, I don't know who put the chicken up to this, but I want to warn him. My manager's name is the Colonel. Yeah. <laughs> 
And with that, I huffed it right out of oh the room. Oh, my God. And waiting for me up on the concourse were security? security guards <laughs> who picked me up by all four limbs and carried me right out to the parking lot, oh my. through the doors, and out the, and dumped me there. How many times have you been thrown out of stuff, Ted? Well, you must have. Not often. But, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. I was floating anyway because yeah. I made the king laugh. Oh, not everybody can say I'll that. Yeah, that, what a great story. I'd never heard that ever. Have you told that story before? Not too many times, huh? Just uh, once or twice, yeah. not that I'm often. so glad we, we were able to know coax. That, but, uh, I'm glad we had to drag it out of you with uh, chains. Right? But get, get, getting back to Gerald Ford, you, you mentioned that Tom Brokaw at the and president's eulogy. I was really taken aback. When Tom Brokaw spoke at President Ford's uh, eulogy, mm-hmm. he actually brought up that moment mm-hmm. of, of uh, the incident of myself in a chicken soup mm-hmm. giving him a big hug at the podium yeah. in San Diego. And I thought, of all the things, that was a really... Yeah. Uh, but it really reflected uh, President Ford's sense of humor and, and about things and uh, just what a good, decent, and gracious man yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. he was. Well, now, you got very successful, and there was litigation because... So you had about a five-year run with KGB going from memory, right? Yeah. And they fired me back in May of 79. Now, why, five years, now why'd yeah. they fire you? Because uh, you were getting too popular or had to pay you too much? Or? No, no, not... Not at all. Uh, in fact, uh, they fired me when we had philo- two, a couple of things, philosophical differences over my career growth in a chicken suit, okay. uh-huh. number one. And number two, uh, the station refused to buy the copyrights of the costume from the manufacturer. Oh. And they had multiple opportunities, but the manufacturer told me, what, by happenstance, when I was ready to send them the costume for some um, repairs, he said to me that, that he's going to start making these costumes nationwide because there's a great demand for them. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and the station has turned them down every time. And so I said, look, I'll buy it myself because yeah. I am not going to have the, the suit turn into a bunch of department right. store Santa Clauses yeah. nationwide. Right. <clears throat> and so the station got really upset with me that out of my own funds, I bought this away for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. So we came to loggerheads. They fired me filed a lawsuit to prevent me from branching out on my own. Mm -hmm. But uh, to make a long story short, the thing went all the way to the California Supreme Court. Did it? Where the court ruled in my favor. This is all over IP, I bet, basically, copyright, trademark. In fact, that case is still studied to this very day, I'm told, in California law classes. I didn't know it went up to the Supreme Court. I know know locally here you were appearing in court with a bag on your head, and that, you know, but all that controversy really added to your notoriety, and it it did work out in your favor ultimately, so basically it did help, although at the time I'm sure it was very stressful, right? Yes, and you don't know that at the time, fellas. You just don't. Yeah. uh, It could have gone another way. Absolutely. And it could have gone, no more chicken. Boy, that would have been terrible. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, I was I was thankful that the the court saw it in in my direction, and uh, it was a wonderful moment. Well, if it got to the Supreme Court, so the appellate court must have upheld the KGB position, and then your guys must have, or uh, then your guys must have taken to the Supreme Court, I, I, right? I believe so. Yeah. A- absolutely. And and so yeah, I suffered some setbacks a- yeah. along the way. How'd you do on the on uh, your legal fees? How'd you raise all that? That's a very good point. We had a thing called the Grand Hatching at Jack Murphy Stadium. <laughs> I was there. June 29th. Yep, June 29th, 1979. 1979. Yep. Wow. And I was ordered not to appear anywhere in a chicken suit. Okay. Uh, well. I remember this. You yeah. brushed it on in an egg. But, the, decide, but the Padres must have been Let, let him tell the story, Yeah, go Joe. for it. Go yeah, for it. I decided I was going to come back. And I had a lot of offers, by the way, fellas, from a lot of major league teams mm-hmm. to come and, and create a costume 
and, and a mascot for them yeah. and perform for them. Yeah. New York Mets, St. Louis Cardinals, Seattle Mariners, a lot of teams uh, mm-hmm. would, would call on, upon me. Yeah. I decided I was going to make my re-entry after being fired from KGB right here in San Diego uh-huh. because of the... Uh, uh, the, the demand from the, the, the fans. Here. Is this before the Supreme Court decision, though? Or? Yes. Wow. It was, yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. This yeah, is I a look re- at the dates. It was. This is a big renegade thing. Yes. <laughs> well, I decided I'm coming back and I'm going to make my own chicken suit. Mm-hmm. And I decided that if basically I may have uh, been in the gray area, but if anybody was going to go to jail for wearing a chicken suit in America. I wanted to be that guy. Right. You know what? We better take our break right now because I'm going to save some time. And then we'll have a bonus track too, folks, if we can't get all this in. But we'll come right back with more of It's Your Money in Your Life right after this. Hang on. All right. We're back with Ted Giannoulis. This sounds like the Elvis song you were dancing to, so... <laughs> So, Ted, where did we leave June off? June 29th, 1979. The great rehatching for your legal fees. Tell us about and, that and, with the and Padres I blessing. Gonna, I was going to hatch out of a, a gigantic styro, a styrofoam egg about eight feet in length, <laughs> and I concocted this uh, huge ceremony, promoted the game like a wrestling match on June 29th. Was this before the game started or during oh, the middle of it? This is all throughout the week. It's throughout the week. Making no, I mean, when, when the hatching occurred during the game, was it? Oh, it was, it was right before. In fact, they moved back the starting time of the game. <laughs> 30 Joe, minutes. Joe, the players carried the egg out. That's, that's well, what's right. today? You couldn't get them to do because they might strain an oblique. But I'm just saying it had to be before the game, right? I mean, it didn't. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Okay. And 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 so on that particular for that particular game. Was it sold out? It must have been jammed, right? Yes. Forty-seven thousand. I remember Oscar Gamble carrying a big egg. Yeah. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Okay, so how many people carrying out here? Well, the whole team came, came out to lift off the egg from a gigantic armored truck that made a procession into the stadium. <laughs> armored with truck. California <laughs> Highway. Patrol escort. Right. Sirens going. Sirens going. <laughs> and and uh, uh, but a quick oh uh, backstory that I decided to cast my lot here in San Diego with the Padres, yeah. who were basically going to offer me three hundred dollars a game. Okay? <laughs> but I, I went to Ballard Smith and said, "How about something special for op- for the first night that I come back for my legal fees?" He, right. Well, he laughed it off. He uh-huh. says, "Ted, we're averaging fourteen thousand yeah. here, and the night you want to come back." The Del Mar Fair is going to be in high gear, and we lose a lot of our fans, mm-hmm. and we're playing the last place Houston Astros. You're not going to get uh, – don't get your hopes up. Mm-hmm. So I said, great. Just uh, give me a piece of the gate if I, I, I succeed. So we negotiated a buck and a half for everybody. I could draw over 14000 Oh, wow. My God. You made some money. That night, more than 47000 yeah, 47, I looked it up. Turned yeah. out for what, the event. So what was your cut? It's fifty grand. I made that night – Almost forty-four thousand yeah. dollars. Wow! I was the highest-paid sports personality in the country, in the world, probably for a single night. Isn't that something? Yes, and and you like to think, well, what did I do with that money? Did I buy stocks? Did I invest in San Diego real estate? Did I do something smart with it? Like you pay your attorneys, hire ZZ Top for my birthday party? <laughs> no, it all went to attorneys' fees. But that one single night, and wow. a lot more. 
actually served as my defense fund wow. to keep me alive in the courts. Isn't that something? Well, I, I, I never I, knew I, that story. I either. was a longtime subscriber to the Sporting News, and you were named one of the 100 most influential people in sport. Yes. Yeah. I, which is quite an honor. Quite yeah. the feather in my cap. Because the Sporting News <laughs> isn't necessarily a comical uh, periodical. They're right. very serious. Yeah. But I think what they recognized in that list is is – People who made an impact in sports. Yeah, they made yeah. a difference. It changed. Yeah. Muhammad Ali is on the list. Billie Jean King, and so on. Pete yeah. Rozelle, yeah. I think Pete was Rozelle, number one. Exactly. The famous. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you you put mascots on the map. Now, when, when did Ted Turner or or for you five hundred thousand to come to Atlanta? That, that, wasn't that the figure? And yes, yeah, a hundred uh, six figures. Six. A uh, hundred thousand. Oh, hundred. And that was actually in September of seventy eight. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, here's a, a, a and you another turned little him down. side story. <laughs> mm-hmm. The year before, Ballard Smith told me that at the owners' meetings, he was approached by Ted Turner and offered to trade him this Pokoroba, a backup back catcher, catcher. Yeah, I remember for him. the chicken. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Ballard had to explain to him, he's not ours to even right. trade. Oh, my gosh. And Ted couldn't figure it out because he figured the chicken was the part of the front. Uh, 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 how, how does Biff P- Pokoroba feel about that? Or maybe, <laughs> maybe they never told him. Pokoroba. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, Ted decided, well, then, if, if, if he's a free agent chicken, I'll uh, make the end of yeah. round. Oh and my he gosh. invited me to Atlanta to perform, and in the middle of the game, called me to a seat there behind the dugout, and right there pitched me uh, to come and work for him. Uh, not even go back to San Diego. He mm. pulled out a business card and, with his name on it, and he wrote on there, this was his first offer, for my pal Ted Giannoulis, $50,000. Mm. Oh and for gosh. a guy making minimum wage at the time, he handed it over to me. He says, that's our contract. You start tomorrow with me. We'll send for your things back in San Diego. Oh my God. I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I, I said, I have to go back. I'm still yeah. living at home. You know? so, but I will get back to you. Well, eventually that offer increased. Mm-hmm. It, it somehow it leaked in the media all across the country. And, uh, and uh, KGB decided, well, we can do something. We can't make that kind of offer but we can do something to accommodate you and keep you in San Diego and I stayed because I really felt with the outpouring of, of emotion yeah. from the fans here yeah. was really something yeah so I stayed and and made my announcement at uh, Jack Murphy Stadium in the middle of the game and once again all the players rushed off the bench when the announcement was made in the fifth inning break and they carried me around the diamond on their shoulders <laughs> And to my surprise, even Ray Kroc threw in a, a ten thousand dollar cash bonus. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Just just out of out of appreciation. Again, I never made a nickel from the Padres at that point. Yeah. But just to show his appreciation. But you had brought. I, I, they realized what, what a value you were to the fans and the game. You know, all, through all that time. So so what year was that when you announced? That, that? was in seventy eight, and then I was fired in seventy nine. <laughs> about seven months later or so. Seven, eight months later, and then the Supreme uh, Court. That's when interview. everything hit the fan. Sort of when was the Supreme Court ruling? 82? That, that I think something? was finally settled in um, by the courts, I think, in November of 1980, I believe. 80. And then, of course, I was at the game in 1984, Richard, when uh, his 10 year anniversary, and right. every three innings, you came out and you had your original costume. I was there too. And then the third inning, right, and, the then, other... and then the famous, well, I think it was the fifth the inning. Horse. Yes, but the St. Louis pitcher had a no hitter go, and I remember this Jack McKean. And then you were doing this Indiana Jones things where both uh, the security was uh, converging on you from, and you dive over the center field wall behind the center, and, and the gate opens, and they're playing this Indiana Jones music, and you come galloping out on this horse with the raincoat on. 
going from center field to left field, and the fans are going absolutely crazy. You jump off the horse, making all your motions, and now the horse freezes, and they're trying. <laughs> they can't move the the horse. Spooks. They can't. They're slapping it on the back side, and the thing won't move. And they finally get the horse off the field, and I guess the St. Louis pitcher had gotten gone a little cold, and he lost his no hitter. But man, oh man, what a what a great night that was! Every well, that pitcher actually was Ricky Horton, yeah. who who I knew uh, <laughs> uh, quite well from the minor leagues, and and believe it or not, uh, he he told me afterwards everybody tried to get him to say that he lost his concentration, and he said, with all due respect to Ted, and I love the guy. But I did not even know he was on the field. Really? He okay. Said, I was so locked in to what I was doing yeah. that uh, I, 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 they did sit not on the focused. end of the bench and you know they put their head down. And, you know, so that that was Jack McKeon's thing. So, but but uh, did you now McKeon? I think he made a quote that he wouldn't you weren't welcome back or something. But that wasn't true. You've been back several times. Oh, so. I've been back uh, in the eighties, especially after after he left. But <laughs> yeah, he was really upset because yeah. I I was literally. Uh, uh, taking all the oxygen out of the stadium. Yeah. The, he was upset that the face of the franchise was really a chicken. <laughs> uh, and, and, and he wanted he wanted a button down. We're serious about baseball. He's old school. And, yeah, if, you hit, and if you could hit, and if you could hit, they would. Get, they, so. If you could hit, they would have batted you eighth, Ted. So <laughs> think about it. <laughs> so Ted, I, I assume your parents became very proud of you. But initially, was this was this difficult on, on your parents to have a son who was making a living as a chicken? My mom always loved it, and okay. I got my sense of humor from her. Okay. My, my dad did not care for it, uh-huh. and, and unfortunately, he passed away in 79 before oh, sorry all that. the success. Before okay. the grand hatching. Yeah, yeah. the and, grand hatching. And, and from cancer. But in the end, he was very much in my, my corner. He Good. only came out to see me perform one time. I was going to ask how many times. Wow. Okay, so only one once. Time. But okay. my mom loved it. Oh, she thought it was hysterical. And yeah. and, and she always said, uh, whenever she went bowling in her league, they always gave her the best lane because she was the mom of the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's uh, wrap that it right funny. there, Ted. Uh, if you want to hear more of this, we're going we're gonna to converse. Go to iymoney.com, and uh, you can hear the, bo- the bonus track with Ted. Ted Genos, thanks so much for being our guest. Richard, great seeing you. Justin Hart, our board operator, thanks for making it sound terrific. Craig Blank, your con executive, thank you. And to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here, thanks for all the support. All these podcasts are at money.com. And uh, we'll have Dick Gutman, legendary Hollywood press agent, next week. So good night now. Take care.